Bible has lots of interesting and exciting stories, doesn't it? And they're all true stories, one that really happened, aren't they? That makes them even better. God had men write these stories down so that we could read them. I thought it would be fun if I were to tell you some more of the stories here. Would you like that? Do you remember that on another tape I said that Moses wrote the books of Genesis and Exodus? Remember, Genesis, the first book of the Bible, is the book of beginnings, isn't it? The beginning of the world, the beginning of the sun, the beginning of plants and of animals and of people, the beginning of the Jewish nation, the beginning of the promises by God to bring us a Savior, Jesus. Then remember how Exodus, the next book of the Bible, tells how the Jews were slaves in Egypt, and then, led by Moses, they exit out of Egypt. They go out of Egypt. God had Moses write both Genesis and Exodus, but God also had Moses write three more books, the next three books in the Bible. The next book after Exodus is called Leviticus. Nearly all of Leviticus is just telling all the different laws that God gave to Moses. Now, Leviticus is a funny-sounding name, isn't it? But it gets its name from Levi, Moses' great-grandfather. That is because Levi's descendants, the Levites, they were called, were the ones who were to learn the law very well and then teach it to the other people. We might call the book of Leviticus Leviticus, mightn't we? And God said that the Levites could help the people with the work of the tabernacle. There are almost no stories in Leviticus. In fact, just about the only story in Leviticus is a sad story. But I'll tell it to you anyway, all right? After God had Moses make his brother Aaron to be high priest and Aaron's four sons to be priests, they could then offer sacrifices to God, couldn't they? There were sacrifices of animals that were offered on the big brass altar out in the courtyard in front of the tabernacle. But there was also a small golden altar inside the tabernacle where incense was burned and offered as a sacrifice to God every day. They would take a special incense and put it on some very hot things called coals, and then the incense would burn and make a lovely-smelling smoke. The nice-smelling smoke would go up in the air, and this smoke was sort of a picture of our prayers that go up to heaven to God. God likes our prayers. Our prayers are like sweet incense to him. Well, God had told Aaron and his sons that when they offered incense in the tabernacle, the only coals they were to use to burn the incense were coals from the big brass altar outside. You see, when the tabernacle was first set up and a sacrifice put on the big brass altar to be burned, God himself had sent fire from heaven to burn up the sacrifice. This showed that God was happy with the way that the Jews were doing things with the tabernacle and the sacrifices. So that was a very special fire, wasn't it? It was from God. So God had said that only coals from that fire could be used to burn the incense at the little golden altar inside the tabernacle. Well, one day, two of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, did something very bad. They disobeyed God by taking some coals from some other fire and using those coals to burn incense before God in the tabernacle. They were priests, so they were leaders, so they should have been especially careful to obey God very well, shouldn't they? So God had to punish them, didn't he? God had to show the Jews that they must all obey God, even the leaders. 
So God punished Nadab and Abihu by sending fire from heaven and killing them. And that is just about the only story in the whole book of Leviticus. The next book of the Bible is called Numbers. Now, why do you think it is named Numbers? Why, it's because there are lots of numbers in it. You see, when the children of Israel first came out of Egypt, God had Moses count all of the men who were of the age to be soldiers. And God told Moses to count the men who were Levites, too. Moses counted them and wrote down the numbers of men in the book of Numbers. Then forty years later, just before they went into the promised land of Canaan, again God had Moses count the men who were of the age to be soldiers and to count the Levites again, too. So Moses counted them again and wrote those numbers down, too. So there really are a lot of numbers in the book of Numbers. That's a good name for that book of the Bible, isn't it? But there are lots of stories in the book of Numbers, too. The whole book of Numbers takes place while the children of Israel are in the wilderness after they leave Egypt. I'll tell you some of the stories in just a minute. In the book of Numbers also, God told Moses how the children of Israel were to set up their tents in the big camp. In the very center of the camp was to be the tabernacle and a tabernacle courtyard. And then the Jews were to camp around this. But now let's tell some stories, all right? One story tells about when Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, got jealous of Moses. You see, Moses was the leader of everyone there. Aaron was the high priest, but he and Miriam wanted to be big leaders like Moses, too. So they told Moses that they were just as important as he was. Well, God heard this, of course, since God hears everything. And God actually spoke to them and scolded Aaron and Miriam for being jealous of Moses. God had made Moses to be the biggest leader, hadn't he? Well, when God was through talking, suddenly they saw that Miriam had a terrible disease on her skin called leprosy. They were scared. And Aaron told Moses that he had done wrong and he was sorry. And Aaron begged Moses to get rid of Miriam's leprosy. Moses prayed to God and God healed her. By then, the children of Israel had come close to the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised many years ago to Abraham in the book of Genesis that God would give to them. But before going in, they sent twelve men to go in and look over the land, to spy it out, and to get an idea of what it was like. The twelve men, the spies, went and spent forty days walking all over the land of Canaan. Then they came back and told Moses and the others what it was like. It's a wonderful land, they said, and food grows very well there. In fact, they brought a big branch of grapes back with them on a staff to show what wonderful food there was. But then ten of the spies went on to say, but there are strong cities there with big walls around them, and there are giants living there. But two of the spies trusted God. Their names were Joshua and Caleb. This was the same Joshua that the book of Exodus tells us had been a sort of army general and later had gone part way up Mount Sinai with Moses when Moses went to talk with God up there. Anyway, Joshua and Caleb said, Come on, let's go. We can take it. But the ten other spies told the people, No, we wouldn't be able to conquer the land of Canaan, because the people and the cities are too strong for us. You see, they didn't trust God to give them the land, as God had said he would. They didn't believe what God had said. Then all of the Hebrews, the children of Israel, began to cry. They said to Moses, We wish we had stayed in Egypt, or that we just died here in the desert 
Why has the Lord brought us here to be killed with swords? Our wives and our children will die here too. And they wanted to get another leader besides Moses and go back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron didn't know what to do. And Joshua and Caleb, the two good spies, were very upset too. They told the people, But it's a wonderful land, and God will give it to us just as he said he would. Don't rebel against the Lord. We can conquer the people of Canaan. But the Jews got so scared and unhappy that they wouldn't listen to Joshua and Caleb, and they were thinking of throwing stones at Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb and killing them. But... Just then the glory of the Lord shone out brightly where they could all see it. And the Lord began talking to Moses. The Lord didn't like it that the people didn't trust him and didn't want to do what they should do. Moses asked God not to be angry with the Jews, but to forgive them for this wickedness. God said he would forgive them. But he also said, they wouldn't be allowed to go into the promised land. Instead, they would have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That would be one year of wandering for each day that the 12 men had been spying out the good land. God said, At the end of the 40 years, then all of the men who hadn't trusted me and had said they wouldn't go into the land will be dead and their children will be grown up. Then, God said, I will take their grown-up children into the promised land and give it to them. And God said, But since Joshua and Caleb believed me and trusted me, I will let them go into the promised land. Well, the children of Israel, the Jews, were very sorry then that they hadn't trusted God. They said, Oh, we were very bad, but we'll go in now. Moses warned them, No, don't try to go in now, because God won't be with you and you can't win. But the Jews tried to go into the promised land anyway, and God let their enemies beat them, because they were being disobedient to God again. So then the children of Israel had to go back into the wilderness and start their forty years of wandering. Now, there were some proud men named Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They took 250 other men with them and went to Moses and Aaron. You shouldn't be the only leaders, they said to Moses and Aaron. Some of us should be leaders too. But who had made Moses and Aaron to be the leaders of the Jews? Why, God had. So should Korah and Dathan and Abiram be saying this? No, of course not. But why should they have known that Moses was to be the big leader? Why, remember how God had promised to Abraham that the Jews would come out of Egypt? And that's why Joseph had said for them to take his dead body with him too, wasn't it? Then, remember that when the right time came, God had sent Moses to take them out? And God had given Moses the signs? Remember how Moses' rod had turned into a snake and back into a rod? And remember how Moses had said God would send the ten plagues on Egypt and they had happened? And remember how Moses, by God's power, had parted the Red Sea and later had struck the rock to make water come out? These miracles were to show that God had sent Moses to be their leader, and God had said that Aaron was to help Moses. Aaron was to be the high priest, and only Aaron's descendants, his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, were to be priests. So Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and all the rest of the Jews should have remembered this, and not wanted to be big leaders too, shouldn't they? They hadn't done any miracles like Moses, had they? No. But God had let Moses do the miracles so that the Jews would know that God had sent Moses and made Moses their leader. Moses told Korah and the men with him, 
God will show you tomorrow whom he has chosen. Then Moses told Korah and all the men with him, You each take a censer, that's something to burn incense on, and bring it tomorrow with fire in it, and you will put incense on the fire, and then the, and then the Lord will show you whom he has chosen. So the next day, that's what Korah and the other 250 men did. They each took censers and fire and incense, and so did Aaron, Moses' brother, whom God had already chosen to be the high priest. And each of these men, Aaron, Korah, and the 250 other men, all burned incense in front of the tabernacle, and all of the Jews were with Korah. Now, what do you think God thought about that? Well, God told Moses and Aaron, Get away from the others and I will kill them all. But Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the Lord and asked God, Please not to destroy all of the people. So God told Moses, Tell all of the Jews to get away from Korah and Dathan and Abiram. And Moses told them, Quick, get away from where these wicked men are, or God may destroy you too. So the other Jews all got away from Korah and Dathan and Abiram, and these bad men were standing there in the doorways of their tents with their families. And Moses said, If the ground opens up and these men and their things all fall into the ground, then you will know that the Lord has sent me, and I'm not doing things by myself. And when Moses got through talking, what do you think happened? Why, God made the ground open up underneath Korah and Dathan and Abiram, and they all fell down into the big hole with all of their things, and the ground closed up over them again, and they were gone. Then God sent fire from heaven and burned up the 250 bad men who had been offering incense. They, too, should all have listened to Moses, the man that God had made their leader, shouldn't they? After all, Moses was the man who had shown them by all the miracles that God let him do that God had made him their leader, wasn't he? They shouldn't have tried to be big leaders when God had made Moses their leader, and God had said that only Aaron's descendants, his children and grandchildren, would be the priests, should they? But the next day, instead of admitting that they had been wrong, the other Jews began complaining that Moses and Aaron had killed those people. Then the glory of the Lord shone brightly out of the pillar of cloud that was over the tabernacle, and God had a bunch of the Jews die. But Moses told Aaron, Quick, offer incense to God. And Aaron did. And then God didn't have any more people die then. Then God told Moses that he was going to show the people who was really to be the priest. And God had Moses tell each of the leaders of the twelve tribes of Israel to bring his rod, his special stick, to Moses. They did this, and then Moses took the twelve rods and wrote their names on each rod. Of course, he wrote Aaron's name on the rod for the tribe of Levi. Then Moses put the rods in the tabernacle all night. In the morning, Moses went in and looked at the twelve rods. And what do you think had happened? Why, during the night, God had made it so that Aaron's rod had buds and flowers and almonds all growing on it. Then all of the children of Israel knew that Aaron was the only one whose family was to be the priests, and God had Moses keep Aaron's rod in the tabernacle so they would all remember this. Well, the children of Israel had to wander for forty years, remember? But God loved his special people, the Jews, and was taking care of them all of this time. God was still leading them with the pillar of cloud during the daytime and the pillar of fire during the nighttime. And God still gave them the special food, manna, every day. Their clothes and shoes didn't even wear out during all of those years. 
As the forty years were ending, one time they didn't have water again. But instead of asking Moses to pray to God for water, the children of Israel got mad at Moses and Aaron. Then God told Moses to take his rod and go to a certain rock and speak to the rock. Now remember, way back in the book of Exodus, when soon after they had left Exodus, God had told Moses to hit a certain rock when there was no water. But this time, God just told him to speak to a rock. Well, Moses sounds to me as if he were really angry at the people. Moses took his rod, went up to the rock, and said to the people, "You rebels! Do we have to get you water out of this rock?" And then he hit the rock two times. Lots of water came out, enough for all of the people and for all of their animals. Remember, there were about two to three million people there. But Moses was only supposed to speak to the rock, wasn't he? So God told him that because he hadn't exactly obeyed God, Moses wouldn't go with the other Jews into the promised land. But God still loved Moses very much. Another time, as they traveled toward the promised land, the children of Israel got very discouraged, even though God was taking such good care of them. And they were again complaining against God and against Moses, and wishing they had stayed in Egypt. And God sent poisonous snakes into the camp. Many of the people were dying from the snake bites. Then they came to Moses and said that they had really been sinning by complaining so much, and asked Moses to pray to God for them to take away the bad snakes. So Moses prayed to God. God told Moses. To make a brass statue like the poisonous snake, and put it on a pole—that is, a tall stick. Then, whoever would look at the snake statue wouldn't die. So Moses did, and anyone who hadn't been bitten, but who then believed what God had said and looked at the snake statue up on the pole, he didn't die. We are told later in the Bible that the snake on the pole, the tall stick. Is like a sort of picture of when Jesus was on the cross, which is also a tall stick. That is, if we remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and trust in Him, then He will make it so that we can go to heaven and be with Him when we die. Well, the children of Israel had been walking and walking. They had walked and made camps, and then walked and made camps for forty years. A long, long time, and finally it was almost time for them to go into the promised land of Canaan. They put their tents up in some flat land near the Jordan River in the country of Moab, and now a very funny story comes up. While the children of Israel were camped in their big, big camp on this flat land. Up in the mountains, there was a king of another country. He saw the Jews all camped there, and he was scared. He was afraid that the many, many children of Israel would come and take his land away. Well, this king knew about a man named Balaam, who lived far away. Balaam was a prophet, and whatever God told Balaam always came true. Of course. So this king sent some important men as messengers, with presents, all the way to Balaam. He asked Balaam to come and curse the children of Israel, to say that bad things would happen to them, and to say that the king would be able to chase them out of the country and away from him. The messengers got to Balaam and told him what the king wanted. Balaam said. Well, you stay here tonight, and I'll ask the Lord if I can go with you. During the night, God talked to Balaam. Balaam told him what the messengers had said. God told Balaam, "No, you can't go with the messengers, and you can't curse the children of Israel because I've blessed them." So the next morning, Balaam told the messengers just to go back to their king. Because the Lord wouldn't let Balaam go with him to curse the Jews.
the messengers went all the way back and told the king that Balaam wouldn't come with them to curse the Jews. The king didn't stop trying, though. He sent even more important men as messengers. These men came to Balaam and told him that the king still wanted Balaam to come and curse the Jews. The king will give you lots of riches and make you very important and do whatever you ask him if you will just come and curse them, they told Balaam. Balaam said, I can only do what God will let me, but spend the night here, and I'll ask God again if I can go with you. That night God came and talked with Balaam again. All right, God said, you can go with the men if they ask you but you are only to say what I tell you to say. So the next morning, Balaam got up, put a saddle on his donkey, and started out with the messengers to go to the king. So Balaam is traveling along on his donkey to go to the king of this other country. But he will only tell the king whatever God says for him to say. Now, of course... God was angry at Balaam for being willing to go and curse the Jews. Now remember, the Jews are God's special people, and God had blessed them. So as Balaam was riding along on his donkey, what do you think happened? Why, the angel of the Lord went and stood in front of Balaam's donkey. And the angel of the Lord had a sword in his hand. And remember, an angel isn't just some pretty woman or cute baby like the pictures we sometimes see, is he? An angel is a mighty heavenly warrior. Well, Balaam didn't see the angel of the Lord, but the donkey did. The donkey wanted to go around the angel, so she went off the path and out into the field to get around him. Like I said, Balaam didn't see the angel of the Lord. So Balaam didn't know what the donkey was doing, so he hit the donkey and made her go back on the path. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in the path of the donkey again. This time the path was in a vineyard, and there were walls on each side of the path. Again the donkey saw the angel and tried to get around the angel of the Lord again. And in doing so, Balaam's foot got crushed against the wall, and Balaam hit the donkey again. Well, then again the angel of the Lord went ahead of Balaam and stood in front of the donkey in a narrow place where the donkey couldn't get around him at all. And again, Balaam couldn't see the angel of the Lord, but the donkey saw the angel of the Lord again. And this time, the poor donkey couldn't get around the angel. There was no room. So the donkey just fell down in front of the angel of the Lord. Balaam didn't know what was the matter with his donkey. And he was... And he was very angry, and he began beating his poor donkey with his stick. And what do you think happened then? Why, the Lord let the donkey be able to talk. Isn't that funny? And the donkey said to Balaam, What have I done wrong that you've beaten me these three times? And Balaam just talked right back to the donkey. Imagine. He said, Because you've been making fun of me, why, I wish I had a sword in my hand instead of my stick, and I'd kill you. And the donkey said, I'm your donkey that you ride on. Have I ever acted this way before? No, said Balaam. Then... God let Balaam be able to see the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord was standing there in the path in front of them with a sword in his hand. Balaam just fell on the ground in front of the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Why have you hit your donkey these three times? 
You are willing to do something bad. Go curse the children of Israel. If your donkey hadn't seen me and turned away from me, I would have killed you and left her alive. Then Balaam told the angel of the Lord that he knew he had done wrong, but that he hadn't seen the angel. Then Balaam said that he would turn around and go back if the Lord wanted him to. But the angel of the Lord told Balaam to go ahead and go with the important messengers from the king. But you are only to say what I tell you to say, he told Balaam. So Balaam went on with the messengers and got to the king of that country. The king came out to meet Balaam, and Balaam warned him that he'd only be able to say what the Lord let him say. Then the king and Balaam went to a hill where Balaam could see the big camp of the children of Israel. Balaam told the king to build seven altars and get an ox and ram ready to sacrifice on each altar, and they had a big sacrifice. Then Balaam told the king to wait there by the altars while he went off by himself to see what the Lord wanted him to say. So Balaam went off by himself, and the Lord came to him and told him what to say. Balaam then went back to the king and said all of the things that God had told him to say. Now, what had the king wanted Balaam to say? Do you remember? The king had wanted him to say bad things about the Jews, to curse them, hadn't he? But Balaam said the words that God had given him, and they were all good things about the Jews. They were blessings. Well, the king didn't like that at all. But Balaam told him again, I can only say what God lets me say. Then the king told Balaam, Come over to another place with me, where you can see the Jews better, then curse them for me. So Balaam and the king went on to the top of another hill, and they built seven more altars and sacrificed on each altar again. And again Balaam went off by himself to see what the Lord would tell him to say. And again the Lord came to Balaam and told him what to say. So again Balaam went back to the king and began saying all sorts of good things about the Jews to bless them. But again the king wanted to try to have the Jews cursed, so he took Balaam up onto the top of another hill, and he built seven more altars and sacrificed on each altar again. But this time Balaam didn't go off by himself to meet God and have God tell him what to say. He knew what God wanted. So Balaam just began blessing the Jews again right away, saying good things about them, how God would give them lots of good land and take care of them. He ended up by saying, Blessed is the person that blesses the Jews, and cursed is the person that curses the Jews. Well, the king was very angry with Balaam. He said, You'd better run away. I was going to do great things for you, but God has made it so that now I won't. Then Balaam told the king, I warned you that I could only say what the Lord told me to say. Even if you gave me lots of silver and gold, I would have to do what the Lord said. I'll go back home, but first I'll tell you what will happen someday. And Balaam went on to tell the king how a great king would someday come out of the Jews and would rule. 
we know that great king is the Lord Jesus, don't we? Jesus did come later, didn't he? And Jesus died for our sins, making a way for us to be able to go to heaven if we trust him. But someday the Lord Jesus is going to come back again and be the king over the whole world. And then he will be that great king that Balaam was talking about. Anyway, then Balaam went on to tell the king something the king could do. He told the king to have his women go meet the Jews, and if they could marry the Jews, then they would have the blessings of the Jews too. This was very, very bad advice that Balaam gave the king. Why was it bad? Because the king and his people didn't worship God. They were very wicked and worshipped idols. Well, the women got to know the Jews, and the Jews began to worship the idols. God didn't like this at all, of course. So God told Moses to kill the Jews who were worshipping the idols. And lots of people died that day because they had been so wicked. When the people had worshipped the idols, they were really saying that something else was God, weren't they? And they were forgetting the Lord, the real God, the only God, and all of the good things the Lord had done for them. How the Lord had taken them out of Egypt and had given them manna to eat and brought lots of water out of rocks for them and had led them with a pillar of cloud and pillar of fire and hadn't let their enemies hurt them and had been so good and loving to them. And here they had been worshipping something else besides God. Well, as I said before, the children of Israel were camped right near the Jordan River. On the other side of the Jordan River was the promised land of Canaan, the land that clear back in the book of Genesis, God had told Abraham that God would give to Abraham's descendants. Some of the Jews then asked Moses, if they could have some of the good land there on the side of the Jordan River where they already were. They told Moses that they would go over the Jordan River and help the others get their land in Canaan, but could they please have the land where they were now? So Moses said they could. And this time is when God had Moses again count the number of men who could be soldiers and write that number down. All right, so on the other side of the Jordan River was the promised land of Canaan. The 40 years that God had told the Jews that they would wander in the wilderness were just about up. The people who hadn't trusted God and had said they wouldn't go into the promised land because the giants were all dead, but their children were grown up now. Also, Miriam, Moses' sister was dead, and Aaron, Moses' brother, who was the high priest, was dead, and now it was getting near the time for Moses himself to die. So Moses asked God to make another leader of the Jews, a leader who would lead them into the promised land of Canaan. God chose Joshua to be the next leader. Do you remember Joshua? He was the general in the book of Exodus who fought against the Amalekites, and when Moses held his hands up, the Jews would win. And Joshua was the man who had gone up part way on Mount Sinai with Moses and waited there for Moses while God was talking to Moses. And Joshua was one of the two good men who had spied out the land 40 years before. Joshua was a very good and godly man. God told Moses 
to take Joshua before all the people and leaders and to tell them that God had said that Joshua was to be their new big leader when Moses died. So Moses did that. And that is pretty much the end of the stories in the book of Numbers. There were lots of numbers in the book of Numbers, weren't there? Then comes the last book that Moses wrote. Remember, he had written Genesis, the book of beginnings, Exodus, the book of going out of Egypt, Leviticus, Leviticus, the book of laws for the Levites to teach the people, and Numbers, the book where the numbers of the Jews were counted and they were 40 years in the wilderness. The last book Moses wrote was the book of Deuteronomy. Isn't that a funny name? But it means something too, just like the other names of the books did. In another language, Deuteronomy means second law. Hmm, what does that mean, second law? Well, let's see. In this book of Deuteronomy, Moses knows he is going to die very soon, and he wants to be sure that the Jews will be very careful to do what God wants them to do. So Moses called the people together and talked to them for a long time. He told them how God had taken such good care of them, and then Moses reminded them how their fathers had said they wouldn't go into the promised land of Canaan after the ten bad spies had told them about the giants, and so they had had to wander for forty years until all of those people were dead. He reminded them of the many times that the people had been bad, how they had worshipped idols and had complained and not done what God said. Then Moses began telling them again about the law that God had given to them. He started out by telling them the Ten Commandments again, and then he went on to tell them again more of the laws that God had given them. And Moses told the people to teach the laws to their children. And also back in Exodus, God had told the people to tell their children about all the miracles that God had done in Egypt so that their children would know God too, and to tell them about the Passover, when God had passed over the houses with the blood splashed around the door and hadn't killed their firstborn, and about all of the miracles that God did for them, and that God had saved them from the slavery of Egypt. They were to teach everything to their children and their grandchildren, so that they too would know God. And Moses told them that God loved them, and if they would obey God's laws, then God would be with them and bless them and give them good things and take care of them. But if they did not obey God's laws, then God would not take care of them and would not bless them and give them good things. Instead, if they disobeyed God, God would have to punish them, just like parents who love their children have to punish their children to teach them to obey. God would let their enemies come and conquer them. But if later they were sorry for disobeying God and prayed to God, then he would start doing good things for them again. Moses also told them that someday God would send another very great prophet to them, and they were to listen carefully to him and do what he said. Of course, this other great prophet that Moses was talking about was the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, who would come a long time after Moses. Moses talked a long, long time with the children of Israel. He wanted them to follow God and be blessed. So Moses told them the laws that God had given them. They had heard this law before, but he told it to them again. 
You might say that in telling the people the law like this, that Moses gave them the law of God a second time. And that is where the book of Deuteronomy gets its name. In another language, Deuter means second, and Namas means law. Deuteronomy was the second time that lots of the laws of God were written down by Moses in the Bible. Moses really wanted them to follow God's laws and be blessed by God. So he wrote Deuteronomy, writing down the law of God the second time. When Moses was all through reminding the Jews of the bad things they had done in the wilderness and telling them to be good now and obey God and telling them the law of God for the second time, then Moses sang a long song praising God. Then Moses blessed the Jews. He blessed each of the twelve tribes of Israel. Moses had asked God if he could go into the promised land. But remember, God had said he couldn't go into it. However, God loved Moses very much, and God told him that he would be able to at least see the promised land. Moses was then 120 years old, but he was still strong and healthy. And it was time for him to die now. So God had Moses go up onto the top of a high mountain. God loved Moses very much. Moses had done what God had told him to do and had been a good leader for the children of Israel for 40 years. Moses couldn't go into the promised land, but God wanted him to be able to at least see it. So there on the top of the mountain, God let Moses see all of the promised land of Canaan. Wasn't that nice of God? Then Moses died, and God himself buried Moses. And the children of Israel missed Moses and cried. And Joshua became their new leader. Moses was the greatest prophet the Jews had because God had talked to him face to face, not in dreams or visions, as he did with other prophets. And that is the end of the books of the Bible that Moses wrote. Genesis, the book of beginnings, the beginning of the world, of the sun, moon, and stars, of plants and animals and people, the beginning of God's special people, the Jews, and the beginning of God's promises of a Savior for us. Exodus, exit, the going out of the Jews from Egypt and how they built a tabernacle for the worship of God. Leviticus, Leviticus the law written down for the Levites so they could teach it to the Jews. Numbers, the counting of the children of Israel in the wilderness, the number of them, and the stories of their 40 years of wanderings in the wilderness, and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, the second time that the law of God is written down by Moses just before he died so that the Jews wouldn't forget to follow God. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses wrote those just as God told him. In the next book of the Bible, the book of Joshua, we read how Joshua led the children of Israel over across the Jordan River into the promised land of Canaan, and how God gave them the land and its cities and gardens and vineyards. The book of Joshua tells how they divided the land among the tribes of Israel, just as God told them to. The Jews followed God's laws as long as Joshua was alive, and God blessed them. 
This is all told in the next book of the Bible, the book of Joshua. I hope you've enjoyed these stories that Moses wrote down for us to read. They help us understand things better and to know better what God wants, what he wants us to do. And they show us how very much God loves his people and takes care of them, don't they? There are many, many more interesting stories in the Bible. And they are all true, aren't they? There are stories about the Jews as they enter the promised land of Canaan with Joshua as their leader. And then there are lots of stories about after Joshua dies and later when they had kings. A long, long time after Moses died, though, Jesus was born. And those are the best stories of all, don't you think? Remember, Jesus was the Savior and prophet and king that God had promised. And just as Moses had done miracles to show he was from God, later Jesus did a lot of miracles to show who he was. Jesus healed blind people and crippled people. Jesus fed lots of people with only a little food, and he did other great miracles. And then the biggest miracle of all that Jesus did was to rise from the dead. This showed that Jesus was who he said he was, that he is God. And he's still alive and up in heaven with God the Father, isn't he? Jesus came to earth to make a way for us to be in heaven with God. Jesus did that by dying for us and taking the punishment for our sins, because all of us do sins, don't we? Remember, we've just been talking about how Moses was sent to rescue the Jews from Egypt and take them to the promised land, weren't we? Well, Jesus was sent to rescue us from our sins and to make a way for us to go to heaven, to be with him when we die. If we just trust Jesus to take our punishment and ask him to do that, he will. Then someday we will go to heaven and live with God forever and ever. It had been prophesied that Jesus would come to die for us, hadn't it? But did you know that it is also prophesied that Jesus will come again someday? Well, it is. So we know he will come again, don't we? After all, all of God's prophecies happen, don't they? And that is the end of this tape. I hope you have enjoyed listening to me tell you these stories. I know that I have enjoyed telling them to you. It has been as if you were having a visit together, hasn't it? 